and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Howdy and greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre, and Todd Erzin. Here with me as well, Denise McAllister, going to be joining us here shortly for the Dace Group. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. If you'd like to reach us via the stevedace.com inbox, you can email us that way. You can try, emphasis on the word try, liking me on Twitter. But the odds of that are low about the odds of ever knowing who actually won the Iowa caucuses. That low. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Packed Friday for you. We've got the Feedback Friday coming up next hour. We will go into the stevedace.com inbox and look at some of the feedback you've been giving to us recently and respond to that. But before we get there, it's time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one, a tradition unlike any other. Bleep Democrats say. Out square! Slash his throat! Say that. Republican! Say that. My f***ing Say that one more time. Slash Republican throat! Slash throat! And I don't care what kind of nice little legal constitutional defenses that they came up with. Well, again, the Iowa Democratic Party runs the the caucus, okay? And they, it, what happened was unacceptable. Oh, but it doesn't look like you made the viability threshold. Not yet. Not There's time. This year? So are you saying that he has the same sex partner? He? Yes. Yes, he does. Are you kidding? Yeah, he's married to him, yeah. We need to find out that's true. Well, then I don't want anybody like that in the White House. Go ahead, report yours. Can we listen in as you report them, Sean? Yep. All right, let's listen. All right. Okay, hi. Hello? They hung up on me. (laughs) They hung up on me. Okay. The, the Iowa caucus is essentially the perfect example of systemic racism. 91% of the voters in Iowa are white. The reason why you see a drop in turnout, I'm just speculating here, it could be perhaps that white children are not in the cages. Do you believe that the men in this race have a better chance of beating Trump solely because of their gender? <laughs> I believe they may think so, but they'd be wrong. <laughs> About a six women of color that quit your Nevada campaign with complaints of a toxic work environment mm-hmm. and tokenism. I'm also very aware that uh, racism and oppression in this country have left a long legacy. And it uh, creates the kind of toxicity where people, power structures, people take advantage of other people. And I gotta tell you what's so disgusting about this. I watched the debate in Iowa here two weeks ago. The all, the all white debate. And the fact that the Democratic, the DNC, 
will not allow Cory Booker on that stage, will not allow Julian Castro on that stage, but they're going to allow Mike Bloomberg on the stage because he's got a billion dollars. We live in intersectionality and complexity and nuance, and you know that. I'm not going to go to students and only ask them or talk to them about, and neither will Elizabeth about student aid, because we know that they care about if their grandmother can age in community. They care about the solvency of Social Security. They care about climate justice. They care about gun violence prevention. They care about health care justice. And this idea of a bootstrap. You know, this idea and this metaphor of a bootstrap started off as a joke because it's a physical impossibility to lift yourself up by a bootstrap, by your shoelaces. It's physically impossible. It is. It's real news. I, I tried it this morning, in fact, and realized I gotta, I'm going to have to bench press more weight to pull that one off. I wasn't able to pull myself up by my, by my shoe strap. What was your favorite total depravity this week? We... We practice at least a mild form of chivalry here. So, Denise, ladies first. You get to go first. Go ahead. Uh, there was so much crazy, and this wasn't necessarily the craziest one, the Michael Moore comments, but they have to be answered. No one kicked anyone off the stage except for voters. They just didn't have the numbers. So if you're going to blame racism on anyone, it has to be Democratic voters, which I know is really politically incor- incorrect to say. But Can you help me? You're, here's a millionaire. I've, I've talked on this show before that progressivism is a cult. And, and one of the hallmarks of a cult, if you, you, look for, you look for, you know, Jesus said, you know, a tree, you know, you know a tree by its fruit, right? So what, what's the fruit on the tree of a cult? You, you, one of the things you'll often see is um, self-awareness is completely abandoned in order to serve a group think. And then there's almost like a lucid, what I call, I describe it as lucid insanity, Meaning that you are alert. I mean, you would pass a sobriety test. Uh, you know your name. Uh, you know what day it is. You know what year it is. You know what's, you know, you pay your bills. But so, you know, you pass a, a certain amount of lucidity hallmarks. But in, in terms of when you get into the, the arena that the cult specifically serves, you done lose your damn mind. I, I mean, you're just, you're just, you become a completely different person so help me to understand why a very wealthy white male you know if i'm I'm just guessing and i don't know what everybody else here at the blaze makes but i am guessing that if we lined up michael moore's net worth meaning i mean he was the producer of one of the most commercially successful documentaries of all time i mean i I would guess it would at least be amongst the, the the wealthiest people in our entire stable here at the blaze so this is, this is certainly wealthier than anybody on, on this show right now. So explain how, Denise, a very wealthy white male speaking at a rally for another very wealthy white male who has, owns three homes and his wife is a doctor and he's a multimillionaire. I, explain why then a whole bunch of white people in Iowa in the crowd are cheering that the, the, the racism left non-whites off the stage when if they really cared so much about this get 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 off the stage i mean get drop out of the race endorse a person of color problem solved 
Uh, can you help us to understand this? Well, it's white guilt. I mean, that, the Democratic Party is just riddled with it. And they, they have no self-awareness, like you said, because it's all about sounding good, saying the party lines, talking about uh, looking, you know, identity politics and having that kind of, you know, cred that they have before all the voters they think. But it, it's hypocritical. And but it doesn't matter because the ideology, the political correctness, the identity politics is going to rule the day, even if visually and in reality, it doesn't line up at all. Hmm. It's just the way the Democratic Party runs. Todd, your favorite. Well, after just days after Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren gets fifth place in Pocahontas County in Iowa. For her, after spending weeks of trans virtue signaling, I I will be anything, I will do anything. For her to be thrown under her own bus by some black campaign workers accusing her of tokenism, I mean, that's opera. Opera. Just, uh, I'm swooning, man. I'm swooning. How many of your kids are in the cages, by the way? <laughs> I keep them in the cage all the time. Let them uh, out once in a while. I just, I, uh, that clip, I've seen it 15 times this week. I, I don't know why, but this, this 15th time that it was in Aaron's little intro there, it just made me laugh out loud. I, I just, I, I mean, I, again, that's a very highly educated woman. Certainly not making minimum wage. On a on a national tele, national television outlet, I, I that that requires. I mean that she's she's an exclusive company. What what does she understand about what the average working class Iowan, regardless of what color their skin is, what how does she relate to them uh, in in any way? Because uh, she read a Dr. Harry Edwards white paper at NYU. I mean, can you can you answer that question, Todd? No, I cannot. The, I, I, I'm so far. I'm I'm just asking questions that have no good answers, right? Well, there with her in particular, there was there was some rage there. Yeah. You could tell there was just. Flat I mean, I, I can I can I, anger. I, I, I mean, I can understand too. I mean, she's got she looks dynamite, has a dynamite hairdo, makeup is. What is it uh, your kids say today, Aaron? On fleck? On fleek? On fleek. On fleek? Yes. Okay. I mean, she, I mean I'm mean, i a guy. She looks pretty lit to me. She's on national television. I've been in those studios at 30 Rock. I know those are posh and nice. I've been there. Okay. I've been on, I've been on that same stage. I've been in those same uh, uh, stages that she's on. I mean, what, is, what does she have to, what does she have to, she, she lives, she's there in New York City as the world at her fingertips. Well, what, what, what's there to rage about? What, what, tell me, tell me what, what has been done that would cause her to believe that somehow well, um, she has some legitimate axe to grind with the world? I mean, she clearly was just dealt a really difficult hand. We don't know exactly, but it would be fascinating to find out what it was because she has a lot to do with Maisie Hirano's comment. I mean, she just says, I, I don't care what your legal constitutional mumbo jumbo. I mean, and that's true. Yep. She's not just, she points they, for honesty. They yep. don't care they've got something else that is higher they're being honest yeah that they are going after and behind that hate of the i don't even rem, i don't know who that woman is that we're talking about there. i don't either yeah. but there there is something that drives her uh that is 
so deep seated that it makes the point that Steve made earlier in the week about this is there's no negotiating. It is one of one side has to win, one side has to lose. They must be defeated in a way that goes beyond any one single election. Their ideas have got to be crushed. Denise, very quickly, did you want to chime? Sound like you wanted to chime in on that. Well, again, it's that it doesn't matter if racism is happening to them or not. It doesn't matter. It, it's just that it is. It's about tearing down the institutions and the patriarchy and white supremacy and everything because that they think that that empowers the party and that empowers them. That's why Bill Clinton was the first black president. That's why we have only white candidates, but yet they all talk about racism because that is where they get the power in order to defeat that's, all. That's the why the, the woman that in her well, first her first Facebook live as a candidate got her husband a beer is is, is trans obsessed. And yes. This goes to something Aaron posted earlier. Quickly, Aaron I want to get out. to the next issue. Aaron posted something about somebody who quit the green movement because it was too white. Yeah. The, the, the global warming movement. They quit it because it's too white. That's what I'm talking about. So, Aaron. It's not easy being green. But insane. <laughs> <laughs> we may go on the rainbow connection here before uh, this show is over. Let's find out. Exit question on a scale of one to ten. With one being as fake and flimsy as Mitt Romney's principles and 10 being as robust and vigorous as, as Romney's flip-flopping and hackery. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Aaron. Uh, I'm just going to go with a five. Todd? Oh, it was too much fun to only give it a five. I'll give it a good solid seven. Denise? I'm going with 10 because I'm including Pelosi ripping up the speech. and that they, You're adding an all... addendum? Yeah, fair okay. enough. Yes. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> Let's get, to, let's get to issue two. I know I shortchanged you, Aaron, so I'm going to let fine. you go first this time, okay? Issue two, Iowa Democrats. What you doing? To say the Iowa Democrat caucuses were a disaster is a supreme understatement. The whole process broke down with an untested mobile app the Iowa Democrat Party introduced so precincts could report their results. In addition to reporting the final results, each precinct was to report the initial tally of who supported whom to begin the caucus, the realignment when candidates didn't meet their viability thresholds, and then the final state delegate equivalent totals. When the app stopped working, precincts were then to use a backup telephonic system to report their results with an equally disastrous turnout. Uh, they tried to, I think, promote an app uh, to res- report the results. The app, by all accounts, just like doesn't work. So we've been recommended to call into the hotline, and the hotline has not been responsive. And, and have I you, can sh- have hear you gotten any explanation, Sean? Right Sean, now. have you gotten any explanation at all of, uh, as to what's going on? No, I have not. No. I'm just waiting on hold and uh, doing my best to report the results from my precinct. What are you hearing? I know you're listening to a conversation uh, from the Iowa uh, Democratic Party. Um, This is a real coincidence, Wolf. I just got off hold just now. So I've got to get off the phone to report the results. All right. uh, Go ahead. Report your results. Can we listen in as you report them, Sean? Yep. All right. Let's listen. All right. Okay. Hi. Hello. They hung up on me. <laughs> they hung up on me. Okay. Some precincts had to resort to coin flips in order to decide how delegates would be allocated to each candidate, and even that process was sketchy. And then flip it over. Heads. Heads. 
As of Friday morning, the Iowa Democrat Party <clears throat> reported all but one precinct had submitted their results, and Pete Buttigieg barely edged out Bernie Sanders for the supposed win in the first in the nation state, 26.2% to 26.1%. Elizabeth Warren wound up in third at 18%, while Joe Biden finished a distant fourth at 15.8%. Amy Klobuchar ended up in fifth place at 12.3%. The Associated Press said it was unable to declare a winner in the state, and Tom Perez of the the Democrat National Committee said yesterday he was calling for a re-canvassing of Iowa. Andrew Yang probably said it best. But the, the fact is, this was really an avoidable error that shot the party in the foot. And it's going to be harder to convince Americans that we can entrust massive systems with government if we can't count votes on the same night in a way that's clear, transparent, and reliable. First question to you, Aaron. So... Let's look at the chain of evidence here. We have the spiked Des Moines Register poll. And I know I had a theory about that early this week, but I got to line it up with the new thing, the new story developments that we have received. All right. So the spiked Des Moines Register poll, you had the Obamacare website, Iowa caucus app, not fully reporting the results. Um, You had the guy who was the clear leader in the first two rounds of voting. And they're now saying that he didn't technically win, although they cannot actually give us the paper trail of how they came to the math they did in the third round, which is why the Associated Press is saying they won't declare a winner in Iowa. You have all the various corrections of their own caucus results that were done on Twitter this week, including a Democrat county supervisor in one of the largest counties in Iowa, one of the most diverse, one of the most urban uh, coming out in Blackhawk County saying, hey, I don't know what's going on at the state party, but that's that's a lie. That's a scam. So how much of this now, as we look at everything we've witnessed this in the last week, how much of this do you believe is incompetence? And how much of this was simply just trying to stop Bernie Sanders? I think it's 100% of both, which I know in the new math rules actually adds up to 200%. And so it, I, you know, that's, it's identifying as real Nailed math. Nailed it. No, I, I, think it, I really do think it is, uh, it is both. I, I really think that they tried to screw Bernie Sanders and they did it incredibly incompetently. I think that's that's a, the long and short of the analysis. Now, what Todd posted this morning, or maybe it was last night on Twitter, about Pete Buttigieg and why he was on, why he called the Pete Buttigieg thing from the very beginning uh, back in, in, in the summer, is right on the money. It's, be, it's a combination of progressivism plus Iowa nice. We want to be seen as chic. We want to be seen as, as, as not behind the times. And so you vote for a guy because he's gay. Um, the fact that he's only held one elected office, and that's the town of South Bend, Indiana, you know, if 100,000 people be damned, uh, we're, not, we're not backwards, stupid people, uh, dang it. We like gays. We like the gays. Uh, so that's that's I think that's good analysis. But at the same time, it seems like every single report of irregularities coming out of these precincts always sem- seem to go one way. Yeah, they all went all, against Sanders. all went against Sanders. Yes. So I think it definitely was. And then it was just a perfect storm of uh, uh, of incompetence of of the app not being coded correctly. Uh, the coding error. And then, of course, the, the telephonic system was backed up as well. And it was just a perfect storm of errors to, you know, kind of swindle things just a little bit and swirl things up and maybe muddy the results. I mean, the Black Hawk County thing where 
University of Northern Iowa is, Waterloo, Cedar Falls area as well. One of the biggest, we pointed this out, one of the uh, biggest counties in terms of population, and they couldn't even get that right, and they had to change it, and they wouldn't change it until after an elected official in that county actually released the results from his county and showed that Bernie Sanders had actually, uh, guys, they tried to screw Bernie. And they did it incredibly incompetently. And I think that's the long and short analysis. And he couldn't be any stronger right now, I don't think. That's a valid point about how all, where all the errors went one way. It's similar to media bias. Like, no one is doing any media corrections. Like, guys, we totally, um, we, 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 we totally over-reported um, how much um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Planned Parenthood's funding was cut. And we got to make a correction on that. It's always all of the errors and corrections always go in the way of the leftist narrative in the media. Similarly, everything that's gone on this week, and I'll I'll even add what Aaron said, uh, Denise. It's not just that they all went against Sanders. They all also went for Buttigieg. Like Like no one was caught overestimating Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden's vote count here. Everything, every correction that we've seen in our state this week was all in favor of Pete Buttigieg and against Bernie Sanders. So it wasn't even just against Sanders, but it was all for one particular candidate at the exact same time. Your thoughts? I've been calling this, haven't I? For months now, I've been saying the Democratic powers that be have a decision to make. They don't want Biden. They don't want Sanders. So they have a choice. The gay guy or the woman, who do they want to choose to be their identity politics candidate? And I've been saying that they want Buttigieg and they want the gay vote. And even though it goes against some of their base, it doesn't matter. They have the money, they have the, they have the zeitgeist, and they, they want him there. And he knows it. And he has money and he has the, the power and he has the, uh, the you know, cheating behind him to make it happen. So I, I think you're seeing really a coalescing around an identity politic group. And this is going to anger women in the Democratic Party. It's going to anger the Bernie Sanders voters. But l- I, like I've said a thousand times, they are confident that Bernie Sanders voters will fall in line uh, in, at the end of the day. Because Bernie will fall in line like at the end of the day, just like he did with Hillary, because they hate Trump. Then they can't. they have no other choice. That's the gambit. But I will tell you when uh, the history shows when either political party plays that card, when they when either want uh, see Hillary getting less Hispanic voter turnout in 2016 than Obama got in 2012, um, see 20,000 uh, black folks in Milwaukee County that voted for Obama twice that didn't vote in 2016, see the four and a half million missing white voters, white male voters that John McCain got in 2008, but Mitt Romney did not get in 2012. History shows when the two major political parties play that game that it actually doesn't work for them. Uh, they, they end up cannibalizing the support that they take for granted to that extent. But we shall see if that's the strategy. We'll see if it works this time. Todd, what are your thoughts? Well, Occam's razor would normally demand its incompetence, but then I just heard, and Aaron, you're way more knowledgeable about this, but it just came out yesterday, I think, that it was just two days before the Iowa caucuses that the the DNC swooped in with this app that was working just fine and put on some kind, put in some kind of safety safety patch, and then we get this. Mm. And then before, I had never heard of Tro- Troy Price, right? The local Iowa DNC yeah. guy. I had yeah. never heard of him. I didn't know who he was. 
come to find out uh, after he comes out and does his little speech, that, that's a guy who can be bought and paid for. I mean, he's like just. So your typical party, no, no state pa- party chairman no, is what you just no described. No pulse would be totally yeah. in on something like this. So, and I, I can, keep, can be convinced that this thing is just as nasty as the national DNC wanted it to be. And, you know, just needed to push a couple levers here and there and make it happen. I mean, I don't think it's whole hog Iowa DNC. I still think that, you know, I, I still think there it's safe to err on the side of incompetence. But at the national level, yeah. I mean, they're not just going to say, yeah, Iowa, do your thing. When but I want to go, let's go back. I want to get you guys' take on the point that Denise made and, and, and I added to it as well about the taking the vote for granted because there's another layer to this that, I, I, you know, we haven't even seen in some of the past precedents that I that I cited in response to Denise. And and that's what we've already discussed here, that you've got their own officials are coming out now and saying, uh, no, yeah, that's not what happened here. And. And I abs, I, I. I think that makes it even more difficult to just in in whole cloth take a bunch of people's votes for granted when you when when you screwed them like this out in the open and then peed on them and told them it was raining with the camera lights on um i i that i think that makes it even harder but what are you guys' thoughts on that todd oh i totally agree and listen this is what the the uh DNC are the the local Democrats in places like fly of our country, like Iowa, they're useful Mm. idiots to the national Democrats all the time. They are used to to hold their power. This is what we talk about all the time. But when the embarrassment that you're talking about is so brazen, that you are clearly being thrown out of the bus by these people as rubes, great credit to those who stepped forward and said, you know, this doesn't mean I'm a Republican, but hell no, I ain't going down like that. It, it, it strikes me as the Democrat version of Romney not eating a chicken sandwich in 2012. And, 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 and there's and it's just as a giant middle finger to you mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, you know, you mean so little to us that we just we we know we, we all know in the end you want to vote against Trump. But but we're just going to actually rub your noses in it at the exact same time. We're not even going to we're not even going to take you to dinner. We're just we're just going to call you at three a.m. I've used this kind of language to describe Republicans and conservatives for years. But we're just going to call you at three a.m. and you're going to answer the booty call because we couldn't sleep and we need you to gratify us. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think particularly when you're when you're dealing in a county like Blackhawk, which is the one concentrate one of the rare concentrated counties of of black voters. And the guy you did it for um, can't has no black support anywhere in America. I, I, you can start to see the math begin to add up here about how a guy of all people like a Donald Trump could get fifteen percent, twenty percent of the black vote in November if if the economy is doing well. If they're going, if they're going to treat that important constituency like that you can see something like that can't you absolutely i'm counting on it let's get to the exit question here not since 1988 had the democrats nominated someone who didn't win a contested iowa caucus but given what's happened this week in iowa if the impact iowa will have on who wins the democratic nomination were a Beatles song 
which Beatles song would it be? Because normally Iowa has a huge impact, but now we now we don't really know because we're kind of in uncharted waters here. All right, so which which Beatles song would it be here? A Helter Skelter, just who knows. B or listen to the crazy voices in your head. B Nowhere Man, no impact at all. C Come Together. That this is the uh, Iowa will play its still traditional huge role in impacting who ultimately wins this race. Aaron, I'll start with you. Helter Skelter. You think there's no way, no way to know. Really. No way to know. Yeah. What do you think, Todd? Well, come together. It's elevated, both Sanders and Buttigieg. So it's it's decided. It's going to be one of them. It's it's made it its stamp is irrevocable. Okay. What do you think, Denise? Come together. I don't know the answer. I don't. <laughs> then and, it's A for you. Crazy, huh? crazy voices. It, it, you know, I, if I, I'm, I'm going to do what Denise did in last go around. I'm going off the board tomorrow. Never knows. I, I've, I need to see what, what happens in New Hampshire. Okay. If, if, if those guys are the clear top two and they're way ahead of everybody else, then it's, then this is another example, like we've talked about with Trump a lot that he didn't really change that many norms. The cake is still baked the same way, but the frosting's just zanier. If the same two guys that were the top two way ahead of everybody in Iowa are ahead of everybody in New Hampshire, then 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 I think we are at come together. I agree. You're like Dr. Strange. You know, you've, you've been doing things a certain way for so long. If you see New Hampshire, what I think you might see, you're going to be like, show me everything. <laughs> Nice. We'll come back. Talk about one of my favorite topics or not. Willard next. Guys, remember when she told you, yeah, sure, go out with your buddies for a third Friday night in a row. And then it wasn't until it was too late you realized that she didn't really mean that and totally blew it. You totally blew it, right? Similarly, when she says she doesn't want anything for Valentine's Day, that's a scam. Don't don't fall for that. You're not off the hook. You're being tested. You're fr- Frankly, men, let's just be honest. We're always being tested, all right? Just... Go into this assuming everything is a test. I think that's a safe choice, Todd. You've been married for a long time. Don't you think that's a safe choice? Just assume everything is a test. It's a safe choice. We have an expert about this on the show. We should ask her, right? You know, she's, she's, I think we I have. don't know that I can trust her to tell me the truth because we're being <laughs> tested constantly. <laughs> that's why I didn't go to her. All right. Always have to prove yourself. Yes. So prove yourself this Valentine's Day, because even if she says she doesn't want anything, she deserves it anyway. All right. And Books has you covered. They offer farm fresh, sustainably sourced flowers for next or same day delivery. And they're gorgeous. We've had them in our house. Uh, you can order today at 25% off your entire purchase. If you go to books.com, B-O-U-Q-S, books.com slash Steve. That's my name. Books.com slash Steve, get 25% off your purchase with that promo code, Steve. And, and they don't just have roses there. They've got all kinds of other arrangements, plants, gifts, uh, sweet treats, everything you need to make sure that uh, you hit the spot this Valentine's Day. They've got it at books.com, B-O-U-Q-S, B as in boy, B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash Steve. All right. You have been warned. Don't 
mess it up. Yes, this is a test, and it's pass-fail, all right? All right, let's get to issue three, because I haven't done this topic enough over the years. Mitt Romney. President Trump was acquitted of his impeachment charges by the United States Senate this week. The vote was strictly along party lines with one exception. Senator Mitt Willard Pierre Delecto Romney of Utah. He explained his rationale on the Senate floor. I am profoundly religious. My faith is at the heart of who I am. The House managers presented evidence supporting their case and the White House counsel disputed that case. In addition, the president's team presented three defenses. First, that there could be no impeachment without a statutory crime. Second, that the Biden's conduct justified the president's actions. And third, that the judgment of the president's actions should be left to the voters. Let me first address those three defenses. The historic meaning of the words high crimes and misdemeanors The writings of the founders and my own reasoned judgment convinced me that a president can indeed commit acts against the public trust that are so egregious that while they are not statutory crimes, they would demand removal from office. True or false? What happened with Mitt Romney this week with so many people who wanted to ignore the truth about what an opportunistic hack he's been all these years through two presidential runs? They're now pointing it out. And others retconning this hack as a profile in courage because orange man bad. It is basically a perfect snapshot of why the conservative movement lost so much ground culturally post Reagan. Todd, I'll start with you. I could answer this in any number of ways, but I'm just going to go with the words I heard right there. You, you can't be such a fake about the things that matter the most. And ultimately not end up where Steve is talking about for him to stand there and say, and I quote, I am profoundly religious. That is a bunk term uh, uh, phraseology for for anointing yourself. Yeah. Religion. No, you're in, profoundly self-righteous listen, is what you that, I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not saying that whole spiritual, not religious thing. That's also bunk. I. I'm Catholic. Religion's very important. Organized playing out of faith. I don't think uh, Steve uh, and Aaron uh, would disagree with that on some level either. Religion Mm -hmm. is a way of drawing lines. But to say I am, say I'm profoundly Mormon. Go deep into the specifics. Don't the fact that you won't talk about your the angel Moroni or the the stones that helped read the texts or whatever like that. That would be more relevant and help people understand something like this more than you're just wrapping yourself off in the vanilla, generic, nicely quaffed, I'm profoundly religious, just like I'm severely conservative. No, you're a total joke. That's what you are. I want to know, was he profoundly religious when um, Romney Care covered abortions? Then he was, uh, whole cloth. Then he was dead serious. Was he, was, was he, was he profoundly religious when... When they when they went after the nuns in all the issues you had with Obamacare, they all had them in Massachusetts first with Romney Care. Um, were the nuns going to you know cover your getting your freak on and and dispensing with the evidence, just like we saw with the little sisters of the poor, just like we saw that there. Okay, similarly, 
Um, was he profoundly religious when they shut down, when Catholic charities had to shut down in Massachusetts because he wouldn't fight for them uh, on, on the gay adoptions issue? Um, was he profoundly religious when he told Governor Jan Brewer at the time in Arizona uh, to, to veto the bill that was going to set the precedent that, no, you can't be made to bake the cake, bigot? Uh, but he said that that was uh, uh, homophobic and uh, openly opposed it and urged her to uh, veto it, which she eventually did, by the way, uh, and helped set the stage for a lot of what we've seen go on around the country with from Oregon to the one poor Jack who apparently is the only damn baker in the city of Denver, Colorado and everything else we've seen for the last seven or eight years. That stage was set in 2013 uh, in, in the state of Arizona, which tried to get out ahead of this. Should I go on? Um, what was, was all, all the times he's lied and flip-flopped I'm, on, on every single conceivable issue, every single one. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, you know, he's not, he wouldn't be the first Republican who generally thought taxes should be low and corporations should get a regulatory break who flip-flopped and lied on those social, so-called social issues, right? Would he be the first one? Oh, not even close. No, that's called, uh, that, what day is it? Friday. And that was yesterday and tomorrow and the day after that. But this guy flip-flops on absolutely everything. I, I never supported the stimulus. Yes, you did. I, I mean, he flip-flops on things. He, the reason I call him Willard is he tried to claim that wasn't actually his name. There's nothing he has politically not lied about in his career. And he just lies about things that you could be easily, easily disputed. He just, his whole career has been a lie. And maybe, I don't know, the only time he was telling the truth maybe is in 1994, the first time he ran, and he ran against Ted Kennedy for Senate in Massachusetts. And he said, I'm not trying to be like Reagan Bush. I'm not, I'm, I, 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 I don't want to go back to the Reagan era. I don't know if, the, and then and then it's a miracle. It's, it's a miracle. And, and just the first time he runs for president, he's on the cover of National Review as the next Reagan. The guy who launched his career is, not, is trying not to go back to Reagan Bush. I don't know when he was lying and when he wasn't. Similarly, I don't know, you know, Joe Walsh is the guy that replaced me on Salem Radio when we came over here. So I don't know if Joe was lying to you when he was a Tea Party Republican in 2010 getting elected to Congress, or if he's lying to you now when he's on national television saying that he wants, uh, he'd rather have a socialist than a dictator, so he vote for Bernie Sanders if he's the nominee. First of all, historical newsflash, there's no such thing as a socialist non-dictator, number one. Okay, anybody? Uh, open an encyclopedia, Britannica, Wikipedia. Doesn't happen. That's number one, okay? But then if, if, if you allowed Orange Man Bad to make you so insane that you went from Tea Party congressman to I'll vote for a socialist, then you were either lying about being a Tea Partier or you're lying now, or you've just done lost your damn mind. One of the two, okay? And that's part and parcel with what we've seen from Mitt Romney. He is, as John McCain once said when he buried him in the New Hampshire primary in 2008, and you know it's bad if I'm affirmatively quoting John McCain, you know it's bad. Mitt, we know you are the candidate of change. As he told him right there in that stage and you saw the blood drain from Romney's face and his presidential race in 08 was basically over that very night. There's not an issue. He has not felt severely profound, to use his word. On both sides of, and then you have the, the, go back to the last campaign. You know, I'm on a roll. When's the show in? I can I can do this all the rest of the day. Go back to the 2012 presidential campaign. Remember that first debate where he just buried Obama in that debate. You remember that? I do. Just buried him in that debate. And then he then if you watch the documentary Knit that was Mitt that was on Netflix, 
you see backstage of that debate, he comes off the stage and he, and instead of like being like most men would like really arrogant about it, like I got this in the bag. So you got to like coach him down, you know, dude, uh, off the testosterone tip. Yeah. You know, we're not voting tomorrow. Dude comes off the stage, seeks out his wife and says, boy, I think we're in trouble. I mean, I really got him good. And he's a strong debater. He's going to come back really strong the next time. What you see in that documentary is this man is never comfortable in his own shoes ever. He's not profound about anything other than my own personal ambition. And and then the third debate, I think I counted there were 12 times in that final debate where he said, I agree with President Obama. Well, by golly, I can't imagine why people didn't vote for a guy if that, just, that agreed so much with the guy I was running against. I might as well just vote for the guy that, I, that, that you're running against because, frankly, he's more likable than you anyway. And I'm going to stop now, Aaron, and let you go because I, I you know what? I could do this all day. Go ahead. I texted you on, when was it, Wednesday or Thursday night? Uh, no, it would have been Wednesday night. Uh, how much can I bury uh, some of the people who turned around on on Thursday or on Wednesday and oh, Mitt Romney is a coward, he's a snake, he's a this, he's a that, who were full-throated supporters of Romney back in 2012 or even 2008. I asked you how much I could bury, bury them, and you, you wisely said... You know, don't go after the supporters, just go after his record. And so I was like, you know what? I tried doing stuff on Thursday morning with the montage and I just couldn't do it because the bile rose in my throat from from those types of people. But it has been extraordinary on all levels. The people who loved him then, you have to vote for Romney to save America on, you know, this week saying he's a coward, he's a traitor, I can't believe he's a turncoat, all of this. You've seen them. I've retweeted a few of their takes from back in 2012 as well. You've seen those takes as well. And then you have people uh, who also maybe were praising the likes of Joe Walsh, saying he's courageous and he's a hero for taking on Trump. Uh, turn around now two days later after Joe Walsh went on CNN and said he'd even vote for a socialist over Trump because orange man bad so much still say that he's courageous. I, the tribalism, just the, 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 this is what drives me nuts about this entire thing. The tribalism, the bending of whatever you need to bend in order to fit your narrative to make you feel good on any given day. There are grown ass men. Well, no, they're not. They're not grown men. They're 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 basically sixth grade girls popping off on Twitter who who look like men because they I can see they have beards and stuff in their in their in their Twitter pics um, popping off on Twitter emotionally all week for for these types of issues all because of a, of a I just about dropped a bad word there uh, all because of bleeping politicians man enough grow the heck up the 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 amount of just imbecility which is a word that i think i just made up surrounding this entire issue it's just it's enough it's i'm gonna stop talking because i could go on all day on this as well denise we will give you the last word go ahead you know romney is a pliable stick pretending to be an oak he's a hypocrite pretending to be this pristine christian he's a child pretending to be an adult and this speaks very much of the elitism in the Republican Party. It's why we have Trump. It's why we have the populism that we have today. Romney acted this week, not just because he hates Trump, because this is who he is. This is how he always has been. Um, these are the types also that the Democratic Party is counting on 
to fill in the gaps of any voters they lose when they choose their anointed one, whoever it is, to be the nominee. Because they can count on people like Romney, other never Trumpers, we could name them who they are, uh, these elite groups who think that their tribe is superior to everyone else. And yet at the same time, they're beholden to the perceptions and the well wishes of the very people who stand against what they say that they propose and they stand for. Uh, they are hypocrites. We see it. The emperor has no clothes. We're tired of it. These people will not get power back in the in the Republican Party. They might as well just call themselves Democrats. I hope you're so I want you to be right about that. I want you to be right because that's that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't, I'm just not a Republican. I haven't been for years anymore. I, I can't, I'm tired of aligning with people I know that hate me. I mean, I don't talk about, not even just disagree with me on a few things, like, but like on a visceral level, hate me, hate me. So that brings me to the exit question. Because, I mean, the, the president endorsed his candidacy for U.S. Senate when he had a primary challenger at the time. Okay? And, and I'm not sure that the president at that time, frankly, had a lot of leverage in Utah intrapolitics. I mean, it was one of the states that most overwhelmingly went against him in the primary process. So I'll even cut, I'll even cut him a little slack that he probably did this as an olive branch to the Utah Republican Party. But with that now out the door, will Trump line up a primary challenger for Mitt Romney in 2024 if he's reelected, if Trump is reelected this fall? Yes or no answer? Aaron? No. Todd? No. Denise? Yes. I hope Denise is right. Quickly, let's get to issue four, Parasite. I'm not really sure how to set this topic up, so I'm going to read for you Steve's review of the South Korean film Parasite. That is not a sentence I ever thought I was going to say. Saw the South Korean film Parasite, 2019's chic foreign film being discussed as a potential best picture winner. First of all, the best compliment I can give the film, it convinced this ugly American to fully watch a movie he had to read. Few movies have done that, like The Passion, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Goodnight Mommy, and Let the Right One In, to name a very select few. This one has an interesting plot. A family of basement-dwelling grifters managed to worm their way into the lives of a wealthy family in order to mooch off them and manipulate them. The script is compelling and humorous as well as it reverses the premise of The Prince and the Pauper. This time, the pauper is basically the villain or anti-hero at best. However, the movie lost me with its ending, which descends into some clockwork orange-type crazed nihilism at a kid's birthday party. The worldview of the film is also heavily materialistic. Make an executive decision. Cut it short because we're short on time. I just looked at the clock. Sorry about that. But you get the gist of the plot of the movie. So quickly, if your family could worm your way into the lives of another family that's rich and famous, which rich and famous family would you worm your way into, Todd? I'm going to do my wife a solid Chip and Joanna Gaines. Uh, that's a, that would be a popular play. Denise, go. I hate them all, so I'm just going to go with the Royal Tannenbaums. The Royal t- that was a movie several years ago, right? Wasn't it? I don't. I don't yes. know. I'm asking, but I thought it was yeah. a movie. Yes. Okay. Crazy eccentric rich people. Okay. I just I love them. All right, Aaron. What do you think? I don't know. I don't, Patrick Mahomes. Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> the fanboy does not end. But I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I got your back on that one. Let's get to predictions, Denise. Go. I'm sorry. Prediction. Your prediction this week. Oh, my prediction. Bernie Sanders will not be the uh, nominee. Sorry, guys. He won't be. I think he is inevitable, but we shall see. Aaron. 
Uh, the Chiefs will repeat as Super Bowl champions next year. Laying it down. Just riding in. Riding yeah. that wave. I got it. I don't blame you. Yeah, you got to ride it. I don't blame you at all. Best, super, uh, best quarterback in the league. This is the he's this is the fandom version of a heat check. You know, you made four or five shots in a row in a game. So you just got to jack it up next possession. It never goes in, but you got to have to do it. That's mm-hmm. kind of what he's doing right now. Todd? Uh, Warren is going to do terribly in New Hampshire. In fact, being bypassed by Klobuchar, and she will drop out after New Hampshire. I think Bernie Sanders is going to win New Hampshire by double digits. That's my prediction. I think he's going to win New Hampshire by double digits. I don't, I'm at the point now after how much the polling was off in Iowa with Joe Biden, for example. I just don't, I don't, I, I, can you imagine me ever saying what I'm about to say? I just don't believe it. I'm going to do my own analysis now. I don't believe it. Crazy voices. I, I just don't Go believe it. I, I cannot believe I'm saying some of the stuff I'm saying now. I'm not sure whether I, whether I should be proud of myself or quit my gig. I'm not, I'm not sure which it is. We'll find I know, out. I, know, I mean, I know I, you're we'll mooching f- off of me, so I yes. know which way you're voting, right? I, but I, I'm feeling good about this. Right. Trust me. Denise, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us here again this week on uh, The Dace Group. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I think he's going to be the nominee. I do. I think it's inevitable. It's inevitable that they nominate their Jeremy Corbyn. That is inevitable. But we'll come back, get to Feedback Friday here next. And we're back. Hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre. They're here too. 888-900-3393 is the number to the Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. I almost forgot how to spell my name there for a minute. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show to share every day, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. You'll get some free content there as well to maybe help your friends and neighbors to check uh, check us out and spread the word. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Another way that you can help us spread the word as well is if you are a podcast listener, thank you. Consider leaving us one of those five-star reviews because the more of those we get, the more those algorithms help us to find and promote and reach people like you. Thank you. Because thousands of you have given us five-star reviews already. Please keep those coming. Feedback Friday, part one, brought to you by our friends at Rough Greens, which is the new obsession of, uh, of our dog, our little Bichon at home, Cap, who absolutely loves this supplement for your dog. It's a healthy supplement that puts into your dog's food all of the live nutrients necessary for superior dog health because a lot of the dog foods we buy, even the most expensive stuff, it's dead food, similar to a lot of the food that we buy at grocery stores nowadays as well, because they want it on the shelf for the longest amount of time to make sell the most uh, possible, uh, you know, uh, products. And so that means the probiotics and enzymes and vitamins and those healthy microbacteria, just like they're stripped out of our foods, which is why we're taking so many supplements today. Same thing is happening to our pets as well, but. Rough Greens Vita Smart puts it right back in your food and it tastes great as well. Well, I don't know, I've not tasted it, but looking at the way my dog Cap inhales it on a daily basis, I'm going to take his word for it that uh, your dog is going to like this as well. If you want to give it a shot, just go to roughgreens.com, R U F F, roughgreens.com, slash blaze right now. Rough Greens, 
R-U-F-F. Roughgreens.com slash blaze or give them a call at 833-MY-DOG-33. And if you're like me on your mobile phone, you can't match up the letters with the numbers. Uh, 833-693-6433. That's 833-693-6433. Or just go to the website, roughgreens.com slash blaze. Gentlemen, you ready for some Feedback Friday? You bet. Let's go. Let's get to it. Let's start with this one from Grant Aslett. I'm from the great state of Utah, and I'm a little frustrated right now about our current Senator, Mr. Romney. Can you give us some advice from your unique body of work on how to really replace a disappointment, but without having a situation like Mia Love, Mick Adams, or something worse like a Roy Moore outcome? We want to see if we can get another Mike Lee and not another Orrin Hatch. Well, here is the generic advice that I would give you. Number one, you need the full power of the White House, I think, to do that. And as I said last hour, I I can politically see, I I still don't think it was wise, just on, I don't think it was wise strategically, but on a political level, I can see why Trump or someone in his operation thought, hey, I mean, Utah overwhelmingly went against you in the primary. It's, it's, it's Senator, who's got the best Liberty score, by the way, Mike Lee, led the floor fight against you to free the delegates at the convention. You, you don't have the capital as a newly elected president to go in there and start throwing your weight around against a guy, you know, with, that's, that's as prominent and stat, has as much stature in, in that state as a Mitt Romney does. You don't. Make peace and just make, make this go away. I can understand getting that kind of advice because that's the kind of advice that makes, to, to, to paraphrase the, the word, there's a way that seems right to political consultants, but in the end leads to, to, to ruin, okay? And um, I think that if I, could, if I could paraphrase the proverb there, this is how political consultants think. And I think it's how guys who are largely transactional like Donald Trump think too. Because one of, the, one of the mistakes we often make, and every belief system does this to some extent, is the um, projecting of, of how we think or how we think other people will think into what we think they'll think. Does that make sense? Just yeah. To, yeah. yeah. And so I think Donald Trump probably looked at Mitt Romney, a guy that he endorsed for president over us in the new campaign in 2012. And we really wanted that endorsement. Um, and I think he looks at a guy that with all the, he, he doesn't see the flip-flops probably initially as a, as a lack of character. A guy from Trump's world just sees a, another, another very successful businessman saying and doing whatever it takes to sell the product he wants you to buy, right? Mm-hmm. He's looking at this purely transactionally, and he's probably thinking, you know what? I've made my peace. I'm the president now. He's going to be senator. Um, he's going to get a position. I'll endorse him, and we're all just going to move on because it's within our vested interest. But what do you do when someone is not motivated as transactionally? Or as you are, or they're not, or they're motivated transactionally in a different way than you are. And that's, you know, since a lot of political consultants are frankly soulless, um, they don't think beyond just the immediate utilitarian 
calculation. But now the, the president, if he were to be reelected, would have an immense amount of clout. He is the Republican Party now. And if he were to go in there and throw his weight around, Mitt Romney is toast. So that would be the first thing I would urge you to do uh, is to get the White House involved. Short of that, if you can at least get him to stay out of it, if they won't go all in against him, but you at least want to get him to stay out of it. I would look at your state legislature first, Grant. I would look at, do you have anybody in your state legislature with a Mike Lee kind of a, a profile in office that has enough gravitas that they could they could put together a campaign so that you guys in the grassroots don't have to build something from complete and total scratch? I'd look there next. And I do that fast because you're going up against a candidate with immense name ID and a name that carries a huge amount of weight in that state. So, and then the third thing I would do is if, if one and two are not an option right now, then you're looking for someone who I has a lot of the characteristics of a Mike Lee. Maybe they're not known yet though. You start him now. I think Romney's up again in 2024, I want to say. So you start him now so that that candidate's got a couple of years to be get, get well-known around the state and build up a base uh, and, and build up a base of support. Those would be my, my three pieces of political advice there. Let's go next to Matthew. One of the few things that Dems actually stood up for during the State of U- State of the Union was when Trump spoke about fighting against socialists like Nick- Nicholas Maduro. Do they not realize that that is the path they are on? This is an excellent question, and I'm going to let you guys answer it first. Todd, how would you answer, Matthew? Well, yeah, it's yes and no. Th- they're not on his path of fascism, uh, but the brand of fascism that they've crafted for themselves is pretty warm and cozy uh, for them. They won't call it fascism yet, just like even Bernie Sanders will correct Democrat socialism. Uh, But they love having power over the little people. Even though, as as we talked about earlier today, the little people here in Iowa in their own party, they hold all of them contempt. This is about uh, that that smart set. It, it, Steve, you haven't said it in a while, but how, this is all high school. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, they like their little cliques. And, and a lot of these people uh, didn't necessarily get their time in the best clique. Some of them did, but a lot of them didn't in the best clique until they figured out this uh political game and now they want to stay there so yeah they, they you know if you and I, you can get them i've gotten to admit in there at the des moines register you can get them to admit this if they feel that the, it's safe enough and they kind of run a, they think they're rubbing your nose in it but you know like no i just want you to say it out loud uh so it, it's a yes and no answer i mean they don't think they're him they think they're better at that than you know than that than that guy who's rough around the edges and uh, it's a little too bloody, at least for now. But, you know, they're, they're comfortable in their own fascism. Trust me, you just have to get them in a place where they'll admit it. Aaron, what do you think? 
Yeah. Um, generally speaking, any any path, any path that we're going down right now, whether it's on the left or right, but especially on the left, uh, it's it's a it's your, it's either a sprint or a slouch towards whatever fascism, whatever you want to call fascism. Um, you know, nowadays. Um, on the left, it is a sprint towards it, and it, that's no better summed up than a couple of weeks ago when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was a- addressing billionaires and saying, we don't want your money so much as we want your power. Not me, the mm-hmm. people. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's summed up perfectly there. And with Republicans as well, it's just a, it's a, got a prettier face on it as well. I mean, it's, it, it is still, in, uh, by and large, going towards the same place. <clears throat> I think you guys have the right answer. And I I think it the only thing I would add to it is the idea that these these processes and philosophies have failed because they were done wrong. And and the people that can pull it off, that can make it happen haven't arrived yet. That they, they they can they they can um, they can reinvent the wheel. They can come up with something better than sliced bre- sliced bread and indoor plumbing. There's an there's an immense amount of arrogance there, because you're at war with reality itself. Uh, to quote Mitt Romney from last hour, they are profoundly religious, and if if their statist religion has failed, it's. They've got the wrong magisterium. They've, they've got the wrong elder board. They've got the wrong pastor. Uh, they've, got, they've got the wrong college of cardinals and bishops. And when, when, when the people who really know what they're doing arrive, salvation is nigh. So I, I, think, I think that's part of it too. Um, and... What's also funny, though, is remember, several of them, Sanders, Ocasio-Cortez, no, Sanders was not at the State of the Union Tuesday, neither was AOC, but they, they were busted for deflecting for Maduro last year, remember. You know, Todd, you and I are old enough to remember um, when our media used to speak glowingly about Castro's Cuba. Sure. You know, because everybody had an education in healthcare, right? So... It's, it's a tightrope that they walk here because Todd is right. It's not that they're not self-aware about this. Um, it's, it's that they're, they're attempting to, um, they're, they're attempting to, well, I'll use a, I'll, I'll borrow again from the scriptures. They're, they're trying to get a camel to pass through the eye of a needle here philosophically is what they're trying to do. They're trying to pull off both of these things at the exact same time. They, they, they can't in mass be seen as supporting what's going on in, in, in Venezuela because obviously it's an indictment against what, they're, what they would like to do. And then if they were to oppose it, on the other hand, full bore, then they're left answering the question, well then, why would we do this here? What, what makes you think this is going to be successful here? I, I think you see this tension in the way Andrew Yang has responded to the Iowa caucuses this week. The, the clip we've played a couple of times now and, <clears throat> and Aaron had in, in the Dace group last hour, 
How can he, what was he said? How can we get the American people to trust us with mass systems of government or massive systems of government if we can't even count votes, you know, in a timely and accurate manner? And, and we're only talking about 160,000 votes, folks, in one of the smallest states in the country, Iowa. Okay. And I think the reason a guy like a Yang does that is because he's a guy, what was he before he got into politics? He's an entrepreneur. But that's what he is. He's a successful entrepreneur on his own. Uh, and then he ran a lot of entrepreneurial outreach, I think, organizations, uh, or at least one of them in, uh, in the Obama administration. So he, we're not talking about a guy that's an, that academically was inculcated or indoctrinated into these notions. He's a different kind of progressive. Uh, he's, the, he's the kind of progressive that, um, that thinks we can, that human nature is basically good, and with, with the right nudge and the right guidance, we can make it you know, better or best. But, but he's not interested, he's trying to win a different argument with history. He, he's not trying to win the same argument with history that, that, that Bernie is. A guy like a Yang would read Marx and think, you know, I agree with a lot of his general laments, you know, about class division, but in the real world, these solutions just, just aren't going to work. That, that, that's what a guy like Yang would say, because he comes from the entrepreneurial world. And meanwhile, a guy like Bernie says, well, uh, I, I, I will make it so. Right? That, you know, that, that, that's, that's the difference between those two variations of a somewhat similar ideology. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, though, what you're getting to, we should do much more of over and over and over again. And that is to point out the failures of these philosophies. And then to make those that are advocating them defend to the American people why they will work this time. One thing I want to, you know what, this brings up something I, I decided I wanted to say here and not bring up on Twitter. Bernie Sanders dropped a very effective line of attack against Donald Trump yesterday. And it's, it's, and maybe one of the reasons why I think it's so effective is because I didn't, I didn't think he was capable of this level of nuance. Are I, we were back in the question I asked yesterday on the overtime, which will stay there, but the question was, what could Democrats do? I, yeah, I, I didn't think he was, because he's never demonstrated it his entire career. But one of the things, what he said in New Hampshire yesterday is he attacked Donald Trump as a socialist. Said oh, the president's a socialist too. He's just for corporate socialism. Now, if we have more, a very dangerous game. Yeah. Now, if we have more jobs reports like we had this month, it doesn't matter if he's the nominee. Buttigieg, it doesn't matter who they nominate. Donald Trump's going to get reelected. Period. But let's say we get in later in the year and the economy gets sluggish. Let's say the coronavirus really, truly decimates China um, somewhat to an economic downturn, which would hurt us too, by the way. Because, yes, I know there, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the old Soviet Union-U.S. relationship where it's a zero-sum game. We, this is, 
we're really like the Yankees and the Red Sox. We're part of the same league here. We're just competing with each other for the for the title, right? And so we've let them get away with a certain amount of, of cheating against the rules of baseball to continue the analogy. But understand, though, there's a symbiotic relationship to some extent. Uh, there's a lot of crossbreeding between our two economies. So something that if, if, if they were to experience a massive economic slowdown, it would, it would impact us here. And, and let's say one of the things I posited in my predictions at the start of the year that the, the same people that have attempted all of the various fake collusions and hoaxes and, and, and coup attempts that we've witnessed the last two years just decide to go for broke and see if they get the Fed to wreck the economy or something, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of argument... In that environment, can be very effective. If we're all socialists, he's a corporate socialist, yes. but I'm a socialist for you. Yes, I'm the socialist for you. Especially given the amount of money they're spending right now, I'm sure the president will trot out some kind of New Deal esque um, uh, infrastructure program as part of his reelect plan. He ran on it, you know, in 2016. Um, and even if he doesn't do those things, the Republican Party, before, long before Donald Trump arrived, had so given up the moral high ground on limited government that it, it just doesn't have credibility with voters in this area. It, it just doesn't. It, it doesn't even have credibility with its own base on, in this area. Let's be honest about that. You know, a lot of a lot of us in conservative media that really, truly believe in limited government have just kind of given up arguing about it because it just feels like you're you're arguing with the wind. It, it, what, what can you do? I mean, you're, you're just so uh, what, it's it, it's a pointless exercise. It's trying to leap from Earth to the moon. OK, good luck with that. It, it's not going anywhere. So, you know, it, we, we've we, a, a lot of us that are now God bless our good friend Daniel Horowitz, man, he's going down shaking his fist at this to the bitter end. I, I, I just don't have as much vinegar in me as he does. So I've, I've kind of just become the Dr. Strange love here. I just learned to relax and love the bomb, man. I, 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 that there's nothing I can do about it. And it's what the American people want. And there's really no constituency that I'm aware of that is mobilized amongst the populace to say no to this. Okay. So with that being the case, then people are conditioned that it's okay to use government, um, you know, in the Republican Party to you to get some answers, and the Democratic Party to get them all. Well, if we have an economic downturn in the fourth quarter or the third quarter, because um, most of the fourth quarter will occur after the election, but in the third quarter, if we have something like that, I and and Bernie were to trot that out as the nominee. I, I'm not exactly sure how any Republican presidential, any Republican president that signed these various budgets in the law would argue against that effectively. And it would play, because what did I tell you? What did I tell you before? Socialists, insurgent philosophies like Bernie Sanders represents require the current system to collapse or make you feel like it's in a state of collapse for you to try such a radical paradigm shift, right? If, if Tsar Nicholas II knew what he was doing, running Russia, would the Bolsheviks have gotten anywhere? 
No. If, if, if the Weimar Republic understood how to, how to rebuild Germany post-World War I, would there have ever been a Reichstag fire? No. Right? You see where I'm going with this? Well, insecurity okay. is necessary yes. to capitalize Yes, on. but systemic insecurity. But they, 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 this is, the system is a system of a down. It's, it's, it, we're in a meltdown. It requires that. If we were to have a 2008 kind of a meltdown and Bernie were to trot that argument out, I mean, I, I have no problem effectively arguing against it. But I didn't sign into law all these bloated budgets and then have to turn around and argue against it at the same time. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that, that becomes a rather difficult... So here's the solution. Don't let, that, don't let the economy tank in the third quarter. That, that's your solution, is um, try to stay ahead of what's going on in China um, and just don't let that happen. Just don't let it occur. But I, I wanted to mention it here and not get it out on Twitter where it can be misrepresented and you want the... Demo, because I, it, I wanted to do it here where I could frame it in the way I want you to receive it. I do not want Bernie Sanders to be president of the United States. That's why I'm bringing this up because it, it's I've in his whole career. I've never seen him with this level of nuance to an argument. And he may be willing to try a level of obfuscation and, but sophisticated obfuscation, not the, I don't know how much my plans cost. We're going to do it anyway. Cause it's what's good for America. Obfuscation that the, the, the true believing obfuscation. I'm talking the slick willy, level of obfuscation where Bill Clinton changed tax cuts in or tax increases into the word investment in his presidency. All right. I, I, we'd not seen this in Bernie Sanders before. And so when I saw him say that yesterday, it got my attention. And if you are on the Trump reelect team, that should be on your radar. You know, I, I still think nominating him would be, would be a Jeremy Corbyn esque disaster for Democrats provided the economy is doing well. But but if things happen in the economy beyond your control over there at Team Trump, do not take him for granted. Uh, do not just simply say, like they did to you, by the way, do not just simply say, no matter what, people will never vote for that. Because if, 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 if we see a meltdown like we saw in 2008, and that's his messaging, I absolutely believe people will vote for that. And, and frankly, the last 25 years of the Republican Party and, and the amount of corporatism it's embraced. Remember when it, the original fake Obamacare repeal is they were going to repeal the corporate mandate and keep the individual one. Remember that? And boy, did I just howl about that here on this show. I mean, that, that's just how you lose 100 seats in Congress. That, that's just like don't even run in 2018 if you're going to do that. But you have to understand the instincts of the people running this party. Go back to what I said yesterday about impeachment that the vast majority of Republican senators, except for maybe six or seven, if they could, would have, would have voted with Mitt Romney instead of with you. I promise you that's true. Well, that same group I just mentioned, their, their instincts are to go corporatist. That's their instinct. Instinctively, this is a corporatist party. Unless you and the Republican base assert your will, this is a corporatist party. And then sometimes and often, even when you do assert your will, it, 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 it's instinctively a corporatist party against your will. Okay? And a lot of you know this. That's why you went with a populist champion uh, th that was singing your song uh, like Donald Trump, right? Well, I, I don't know how this party effectively were to argue against it because it's given up the premise of most of these arguments 
over the years already. And that far predates Donald Trump. You guys have any thoughts on that? You're, you're trying to take my my buzz away from everything that's gone on, aren't you? Don't, don't make me sad. <laughs> I have, don't. I have, you know what? I, I, when, when people have accused me of wanting the Democrats to win, I don't. So I always push back heavily against that. But when I've been accused of being a buzzkill, I, you don't see me push back against it that much. Well, I don't intend to be, but it's tough, but it's a fair rap. That and one's I, a fair rap. It was. And I was curious enough about the possibilities to ask the question yesterday. What, what could happen now to turn what seems to be a certain Trump victory around? Now, the caveat was it's, it's set aside Trump's own self-inflicted wounds and the economy. Yours obviously depends on the economy going down. But I think that was, um, it, it was very shrewd. And it's, again, the kind of honesty that you appreciate from Bernie Sanders, as much of a disaster as he is theoretically and as a human being, I don't think he's a great being. He, 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 he is, he genuinely believes all of this nonsense. And because he believes it, he has no te- problem telling the unvarnished truth about you either. Let me throw one thing in there too, if you don't mind. Just as I've said all along, Pete Buttigieg to me strikes me as a herald candidate. And may, I may be wrong about that, but the, a precursor of something that will come later. Right. Okay. Bernie Sanders could be the same thing. And eventually they're going to get a candidate who's more telegenic, more articulate, didn't honeymoon in the Soviet Union, okay? And looks like the all has the all-American family who's going to who's going to package that kind of a talking point into a more effective um into it through his more him his or her more effective external packaging. And when that time comes, I don't know how the Republican Party will argue against this. Remember when I said about a year or two ago, Aaron, do you remember this when I said I'm that sooner or later, the left is going to crack the code that yeah. when, 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 the, when people start talking about the price tag of their bill of, of what they want to do, the sooner or later going to figure out to say we're running four trillion dollar deficits. What, what, what does it matter what it costs to, to, to make sure every single mom and person of color has climate justice and has mm-hmm. healthcare justice, right? They haven't, they haven't busted that talking point out yet, but very soon they're going to. And when they do, I have no idea how the Republican Party argues against it because they've given up the premise on every not, one of these arguments. Not only will they crack the code on that, they'll, they'll have it in a better package than a Mayor Pete or Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, who are in and of themselves, with especially Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they're not, they're not the, the young, suave Barack Obama. Uh, Mayor Pete, nobody knows who he is other than he's gay and he's from Indiana. Uh, they'll have a better packaging and they'll figure out that that code to crack as well. And when that day comes, uh, hang on to your butts. Revival or bust. We'll get back to more of your Feedback Friday questions and comments here in a moment. Little reality check. How's that New Year's resolution to eat right and lose weight doing for you? Chances are you're struggling because it's hard. It's difficult to fight those cravings and get your portion sizes under control. That's why we want to offer you a helpmate called Riduzone, developed by doctors and backed by not one, but two U.S. patents. Riduzone is the only FDA accepted product 
That includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake at the same time. And Reduzone, therefore, with all of those benefits, makes it easier for you to sustain that resolve because dieting alone is just too hard. Exercise and activity is very important, but you can't out-train a bad diet, all right? So make sure you get your appetite under control, your urges under control with Riduzone. Available exclusively at its website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. And if you go there and use the promo code Steve, you're going to get 65% off. That's massive savings. And they throw in free shipping too. I mean, what you can't beat that. Free shipping and 65% off at riduzone.com, promo code Steve, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Promo code Steve at RidUZone.com for 65% off and free shipping. Let's get back to some feedback Friday. Trent wants to know, do you have any advice for getting into politics? Where would I even begin to start a career in this field? I'm well aware of the dangers of it being involved um, or being destroyed by the system. So any advice for avoiding those pitfalls would be appreciated too. So Trent, I'm going to give you some advice, but only one stage of it. Okay, And then after that stage, you can contact me and email me back and decide if you want to move on to stage two, the practical stage. Okay, But stage one is the boundary stage. If you were to get into politics and were to gain influence as either an activist or get elected as a candidate, once given that influence slash power, What could you not do? What could you not do? When God initially unveils his law, there are 10 commandments, and they all begin with, don't do these things. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. The Constitution of the United States follows a similar scheme in that it lists the things government cannot do (laughs) Okay, so boundaries are important. What can you not do? Meaning, no matter how terrible the alternative competition is, what can you not do? So, So my advice would be to you, answer that question first. Answer that question first. And if you like that answer, and it's something you think you can defend, email me again, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E, and we'll get into more practical steps. But begin with, what can I, and not not will, nope, 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 don't, don't. I, I Will, will is a question of resolve. We're human beings. We lack resolve as a species. Some of us lack it more than others, and some of us lack it more than others in certain areas. I have a lot of resolve where illicit drug use is concerned. A lot. I don't have a lot of resolve where the opposite sex is concerned. 
which is why I have to safeguard myself in those situations. Okay? So we all lack resolve. Will is a question of resolve. We're in bondage to our own will. That's why I phrased it specifically, what can't you do? What can you not do? Because can is, is, is an acknowledgement of permission. My will may want to do this. My will may justify it. I, but I can't. I can't. So I, I may want to flag down that guy that ran me off the road on the interstate. Drive him off to the shoulder and give him the business because my kids were in the car and he nearly got us killed. I may want to do that. I may drive down the road and ask myself as I'm tailing tailgating him, will I do this? Will I not? Sooner or later, sooner or later the flesh is weak. But if we look at it as, can I do that? I mean, say I do that. Can I do that? What, what are the consequences if I do that? And then you realize, as much as you would like to, you can't do that. So don't, don't frame it in the question of, here's what I won't do when I get in there. Or here's what I won't do if, if I get influence or access. Nope. Don't, that's about you. You know, who, the, um, I'll, I'll use this for the third time on this show. The prodigiously religious ask themselves questions like, what I will or will not do. Or they don't even bother even asking that at all. People who truly fear the only living God need to ask themselves, what can or can't I do? When you were a kid, before you had a driver's license and permission, you might have thought, dude, might have looked at dad's new ride out there in the garage and thought, man, will I take this out for a ride or? Nope. You didn't ask yourself that, did you? No. No. Because you knew pops are going to whip that ass. So you didn't do that. You thought that's a nice ride, but I know I can't do anything with it right now. I look forward to the day that maybe I can. Because you knew right away permission wasn't granted. So you didn't even you didn't you didn't even exercise your will because you knew dad was going to go Hank Hill when he got home and monkey daddy the backside of your arse. All right, that's why. Not enough not enough permission seeking in our culture today, but a lot of willful willful proclamations. What will or won't I do? You know, one of the reasons we have our politicians take an oath of office because it's an acknowledgement of what you can and can't do. And it's so help me God because that's whom you're supposed to be accountable to if you can and can't do it. There's a lot of what of, 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 of will. So my, my, and, and this goes for anybody else who wants to ask me this question. My first piece of advice, clearly lay out what you can and can't do. That doesn't mean there's never a time for some form of a situational compromise or calculation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. But if you don't lay out right now what you can and cannot do, eventually you're going to turn everything into that. All right? So what's in your closed hand here? No matter what the poll numbers say, no matter how bad the other team is, whatever, I cannot do 
these things. I can't do them. I can't. Have that down first. And then we can talk about some of the practical ramifications. You guys have any thoughts on that? You want to move on? The, the word that hung with me, don't seek out a career in politics. That word is key, and it relates to a lot of the things that uh, Steve said. Seek out a job in politics and see how it goes, and you may end up job after job ending up with a career. But th- if the people who seek out a career in this are the ones who more easily fall into what Steve talks about, they'll do anything to stay there. Anything. Just go get one job, keep that hand closed, and see how it goes. Yeah, that was the part of the the note that kind of got my spidey senses tingling. Is is the don't don't seek out a career, a career in politics. If we're truly conserving um, what's best for the human condition, what's proven to work best for the human condition, uh, for this and and other generations, uh, clearly uh, careers in politics isn't what's best. I think we've gotten too many. So. That's probably a small note in that in that, but you often talk about uh, people go to Congress or run for office to be somebody, be somebody, or do something. Mm-hmm. Um, be the latter. Hmm. Be well the said. Latter. Well said. And you know, I was this morning before we, I came in. I was watching some of the deleted scenes of uh, the uh, the latest phase of Marvel movies because they're going to put them all in a package together, and some of the deleted scenes are online and. There's a deleted scene from Thor The Dark World where we get to see Jane Foster and Thor break up. And the reason they break up is because Jane realizes he needs to go back to Asgard and be king. And and she wants to work in the scientific field on Earth and doesn't want to go there and be a full-time queen. And she doesn't want to hold him back from his calling. And he says to her, I don't want to be king. And she looks at him and says, and that's why you're going to be a great one. Now, of course, at the end of Avengers Endgame, he, uh, Fat Thor abdicates his throne, swinging a gallivanting around uh, the, the cosmos with a talking squirrel. But that's not important right now. That was still a good line. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, where do we go next? Um, oh, here we go. This is from J. Ryan Dixon who says, hey, I love you guys' show and I'm a daily listener and I really enjoy your interpretation of the dude code, but I have to strongly object to one thing that uh, you guys recently voted on. How in the world, with the goodness of hash browns and french fries, meaning your favorite ways to eat potatoes, that was one of the questions we had, right? How in the world did you not mention tater tots? I strongly object to your decision to not include them and feel like this needs to be called out. Does Jay Ryan Dixon have a point? Should we be called out for Mm -hmm. a failure to list tater tots as one of the top five ways to consume taters? Well, what did we have? We had mashed potatoes and gravy. We right. had French fries. We right. had baked potato. Baked potato. We had hash browns. We had hash browns. Which tater tots are basically yeah, hash a browns. kind of hash brown. Is there what was the fifth? Was one? there a fifth one, or was it just a four? French fries, mashed potatoes. It was the, it was the uh, Mount Rushmore of, of potatoes. Oh, so it was only four. It so it was, was only four. four. Okay. I, I'm I'm not a huge tater tot guy. I I don't dislike them. But man, we had them so much when I was a kid, I got sick of them. I had probably hadn't had tater tots in like 15 years. And my wife made a casserole last week. Oh, they yeah. had a minute and they were actually pretty good. Righteous. Okay. But I just got, I got sick of them as a kid. They were in the school lunch all the time. I mean, I just, enough. I, I couldn't handle them anymore. So it's been years since I've had them. 
So it's not that I dislike them. I'm just, I just got sick. And they of them. have so many great cousins. I mean, potato Olays with the special seasoning on at Taco John's. Oh, good stuff. And then, uh, at uh, the Dunkin' Donuts ones, they got like chives and great seasoning in them. I'm so yeah, you you've clearly talked me into it. Okay. I don't I don't have the power to replace any of the other four currently, but uh, your objection has been sustained, yes. Mr. J. Ryan Dixon. And you sound like an attorney with a name like that. You should be one. Okay, he's probably got a real job that matters though, like plumber or you know construction worker that actually adds to America as opposed to sucking the lifeblood out of it. Um, let's go next to Alex who says a few weeks ago, Steve, you mentioned that Ayn Rand is the most overrated thinker of the 20th century. And I haven't read any of her work, but know that she is popular, especially amongst more conservative libertarians. She's considered significant besides her lack of religious conviction. What makes you think she was overrated? That is why she's overrated. Um, because Ayn Rand drew a lot of, here's why she's overrated. I, now let me say this. Does overrated, did, did I say she wasn't smart? Nope. Did I say she wasn't brilliant? Nope. Did I say that? No. Nope. I just said she was overrated, right? Correct. Okay. Doesn't mean I don't think she's smart. Doesn't mean I don't think she's brilliant. Did I tell people don't read, um, you know, d- don't, uh, don't read her work? Did I tell people that? No. Don't read Atlas Shrugged. Don't read that. No, I didn't. Okay. But the idea that um, she was some kind of a prophetess, what, what Ayn Rand peddled was basic common sense from a completely wrong premise. She was vir- a virulent racist, enthusiastically so. Despised religion. One of the reasons, I think, is because in her personal life, she was known to be a hedonist. So I, we often, we often, I'm looking at you, Aaron Rodgers, uh, we, we often concoct theis- our views of theism based on whether it gets in the way of our pet sins or, or lifestyles at the time. When, when Roger said he didn't want to worship a God that would, that would send people to hell, you know who also said that? Charles Darwin did. That's an exact quote from Charles Darwin. He may be, Roger's, um, he's educated at Cal, smart guy, maybe he even knows that, was just quoting Darwin directly, I don't know. But we, we have a tendency to do that. You know, it's not any different than Mayor Pete. Yeah, well, I've got my own spin on uh, what the Bible says. Well, cool, so is everybody in hell. I mean, I've, Everybody in hell has something in common. They all share one commonality. They all had their own opinion. And they felt very strongly about it. They all have that in common. Every last one of them. As they suffer. They, they had opinions. And they were, felt very strongly about them. Um, so that's why she's overrated. Is she got a lot of the bottom line correct, but at the expense of the premise that's the most important. And it's why following her philosophically has no chance against what you're up against. Because what the pagans are arguing, and she was one too, what the pagans are arguing is all premise. They're arguing all meta. It's all meta. Government is salvation. Identity politic is salvation. Everything's meta. Everything's meta. They're not arguing systems. They're arguing origins they're arguing reasons not i mean everything's meta everything they do is meta that's why every issue now has the word justice after it climate justice criminal justice healthcare justice voting justice everything is meta you can't argue common sense against meta you want to know how you defeat a meta argument 
with a better meta. With a better meta. Ayn Rand has no shot against the spirit of the age. It's what I've, And it's why I've always said about libertarianism. It is not an aspirational philosophy, although many of the people who hold on to it believe that it is. Libertarianism is where a righteous people go to protect their righteousness from the unrighteousness of others. But it doesn't make you righteous. Meaning if you're not a moral and religious person, you have no shot, or, or a people, no shot of sustaining any form of a limited government. You can't do it. So she was brilliant. But she's bringing a knife, no, She's bringing a spork to the OK Corral in this culture war, all right? I mean, she wants to argue common sense, and she wants to argue objectivism, and the other side's like, uh, men can menstruate. And she wants to, in between Pall Malls and bourbon shots, argue objectivism, and the other side's like, uh, uh, dudes have periods. And wax my balls, bigot. And you pay for it. No chance. That's why she's overrated. Brilliant. Yep. But no, I mean, you're 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 dying out in the field, man, of a of a mortal wound, and Ayn Rand's out there applying band-aids trying to stop the bleeding. Okay? Nope. No shot. No shot against the mob outside you, of Lot's house. You None. Ever wonder like which one? And she might be one of the more likely ones, but which one of the the thinkers of the past who had set aside religion for various reasons would if they were brought back and dropped right here right now in the face of waxer bigot would have just said yeah i'm out jesus it is because <laughs> how could i have known yeah it's really yeah. E- it's really e- it's much easier to argue in in a in the in the generations that generation she was a part of, it's simpler to argue these no because you're still a culture under a lot of common grace. We're going to get explicitly theological That's now. That's my point. You're still a culture under a lot of common grace that is commonly accepted among the people. So this idea that we can just materially, common sense, commonsensically come to these righteous conclusions without any theistic divine accountability yeah. seems like a more attainable goal. Good luck telling Jessica Yanov he can't have he you he you can't make you, you can't or you're not you're not going to subsidize his ball his ball waxing because he feels pretty now. Good luck with that. Not happening. It's not happening. That's why she's overrated. She 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 has no answer for the, for the spirit of the age that we're up against. None of it. Which means if she were alive today, she'd either just succumb to it or have to do what you did. But she couldn't just stay in this objective middle like she occupied 40, 50 years ago. That'll do it for today's show. Have a great weekend. We'll be back again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.